If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I started to look really hard at the trash that we were making as a family, and I started to work to really cut that waste down, and I realized that there were some tools that I could use, and that a lot of these tools were things that I could actually make. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest is Liz McDade. I'm your host, Susan Smith. I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm Lucy and I spend our days doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. Now, if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing pencil, needle and thread attached, at very high speed. If you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. These are on the first and third Friday of every month. They're streamed live, and so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm actually working on it. They are not a formal lesson. They're more a quilting reality show, I guess. I invite you into my studio and look over my shoulder as I complete a whole project with all the challenges and or decisions and occasionally oopses that occur in real time. So it just helps you to get a really good look at the reality of machine quilting. And whether you quilt on a long arm or a domestic, I think you'll find them helpful, but they are of me quilting on my long arm. So just recently, for example, I did a kind of special of a two-day series where I was quilting a vintage double wedding ring top. And because it was, you know, vintage, it had significant challenges. So a lot of um, unevenness and bubbles and excess fabric throughout. It had a scalloped edge, which double wedding rings often have. So I just walked through that whole process, how to base those curved edges, how to base the whole quilt and keep it flat, how to deal with that excess fabric, thread choices, quilting design choices, all those things. So once again, first and third Friday of every month, I have some type of live and unscripted episode on my YouTube channel, Stitched by Susan. Hope to see you there and introduce yourself if you're attending live. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to Pins and Needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. My guest today has a very unique niche in that she is trying to really drastically reduce the waste in her household. So in that spirit, I have a tip for your sewing room. 
I keep a trash can in my studio that's dedicated just for this purpose. I line this trash can with a pillowcase and I have a giant, almost a garter that I wrap around the top to hold that pillowcase, you know, open and and taut around the edge of the trash can. And it is dedicated only for textiles. So thread clippings, even tiny little fabric dog ears, batting strips, because I am a long armor, I do have a certain amount of batting trimmings and they can really add up in size and bulk. So all they, they all go into that pillowcase. And then when it's about three quarters full, I take it off the trash can, sew a straight seam across the top edge of it, sewing it closed, and then I donate it to a pet shelter. So all those little bits, which would otherwise go straight to the landfill, have been given a whole nother life as a comfy pet bed. You know I love my coffee. I've got a fresh mug of it in my hand right now. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution. Thank you so very much for your support. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Liz McDade is passionate about pursuing a zero-waste lifestyle and no-trace products. In her own words, no-trace products are reusable, washable alternatives to their evil disposable twins. So we chat about how that passion grew, how her hobby has grown into a business, and Liz gives great tips for reducing waste in your cooking and even in your bathroom. Hello there, Liz, and welcome to my studio. Hi, thanks for having me, Susan. I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, what you listeners maybe don't know is that Liz and I have a wee bit of a backstory before this podcast. We met each other through some online kind of marketing, course building, building your business type groups. And the two of us just kind of found a lot in common. And so we teamed up to be kind of accountability partners. Is that what you'd call us, Liz? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we we get on an audio call every couple of weeks and we just discuss what we've been doing and we set goals for the upcoming two weeks. And then in the following call, we come back and review those goals and kind of evaluate how we did, what we could do different. And we have a ton of, you know, idea swapping and sharing because we're both we approach things a little bit differently. And so it works well in terms of being able to help each other learn. And um, yeah, let's chat about that a little minute before we really get into the crafty quilting stuff. How has it been for you? It's been great. Yeah, I I have wanted to sort of shake things up a little bit in my business for this coming year. And I felt like reaching out to find somebody else to um, partner with would be helpful for me to just have some of that accountability and regular goal setting. And I find that if I have somebody else who knows what my goal is, I'm a lot more likely to really stick with that deadline that I've set for myself versus if it's just me setting my own um, goal and deadline, it's a lot easier to ignore it. So for me, it's been really great. 
I agree completely. And for me, because I tend to be, you know, squirrel, looking and finding the bright, shiny thing and following it, having those written down, I mean, that is what goal setting is all about. But having them written down, when I go look at them, I'm like, oh, yes, that's what I'm focusing on. And it enables me to put some other things aside and say, yeah, no, those are not the priority this week or this month or even this quarter. Um, I was joking with my husband, you know, New Year's is just passed a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of did the same thing over non-New Year's resolutions. Instead of resolving to do things, I actually put down on paper some things that I'm not going to do this year. I'm interested in English paper piecing, for example, which is a lovely craft, but also time consuming. And I realized that I cannot spend my time following YouTube posts and following people on Instagram when I'm not going to focus on that this year, right? So that was my non-resolution. And there's a few more of them too, but it just helps me to stay focused. And so does our goal setting. Yeah, absolutely. And I use it to really think about those um, bigger picture kind of growth types activities, the ones that are so easy to ignore. And I end up just working on you know, I, I have orders. Um, we'll get into my, my business a little bit, but you know, it's very easy for me to get working on the orders and what needs to ship soon and to ignore those, um, what I should be doing for the future of right. my business. And so, if, so in our conversations, that's always what I am focused on is those goals that are really easy to ignore, but really important if for me, I'm trying to grow my business and um, sort of take it to the next level. So yeah. Agreed. It's been really good. Mm-hmm. So we may circle back around to this, but let's now go back kind of to your um, your start in quilting or in crafting in general. What, what kind of got you into this type of crafty hobby and then what made it become your job? Yeah. So I have always been a crafty person since I was a kid. I always liked working with my hands and making things. And I discovered sewing in middle school. I sewed my first bag and um, was just really excited. Like, wow, I can make this. It was it was a a copy of this bag that um, was kind of expensive. It was like a cloth tote bag, but I had seen it at the store and it was red and it said Esprit. I don't know if you remember that old I brand. I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. So. I loved that red Esprit tote bag, but it was just, I couldn't afford it. And so I went out and I got similar material and sewed it. And I'm sure it was not nearly as nice as the store-bought version, but that just really opened my eyes. Like, oh, wow, I could just make things for myself. And um, that really sparked something in me. It took a while. So I I sewed a little bit more um when I was home during high school and then college, I really took a break. I didn't have my mom's sewing machine or the time or the space. But then um, after college, I started to get back into sewing. Um, It was just a hobby and um, I didn't have a ton of time for it, but I always enjoyed doing it. And then um, more recently, about five years ago, I um, discovered the zero waste movement, which is this um, sort of vision of reducing the waste that was sent to the landfill to zero and fighting a lot of um, plastic packaging. And 
I started to look really hard at the trash that we were making as a family. And, and I started to work to really cut that waste down. And I realized that there were some tools that I could use to help me cut waste that we made as a family. And that a lot of these tools were things that I could actually make myself. So um, in 2017 is when I really started to get serious about making things. And I started to really improve my sewing skills and find a focus and start sewing regularly um, until 2019 when it became my full-time work. I left my job um, because I had started selling these things that I was making and it became too much to work and sell. And I was way more excited about Mm -hmm. my own side hustle than my job. And so I decided it was time to take a leap of faith and go full time into this little business that I had started to build and just to see where I could go with it. So that's my kind of long story. That's a great story. I just love that you found your own niche and expression. And it's one that I'm sorry to say I have not encountered very often this idea of zero waste, or I mean, in my case, um, over the weeks as we've talked, I've just been conscious of at least reducing the waste that I produce. And it's such a great theme. And boy, we more of us need to focus on it. Give us some maybe tips of, of things you do in your home that um, most of us habitually you know, use and throw away. You've talked about plastic packaging, but I'm thinking particularly of wraps for your refrigerator. Maybe talk about that one, or if you have another thought of something that you've replaced with um, a reusable item. Yeah. So I'll talk about sort of two main things that have helped us tremendously. And the first is just a simple um, cloth drawstring bag instead of plastic bags. So we have several of these Um, And I make and sell these also. Um, And we take them to the grocery store. We put all of our fruits and vegetables into one of these bags instead of a plastic bag. And then um, we have access to a fair amount of bulk dry goods, you know, like dried um, flour or or, uh, dried beans and um, various grains and then flour, salt, things like that. So we also use our um, drawstring bags for a lot of those items. So just getting, you know, like 10 of those has helped tremendously. So we changed, started changing the way we shop. And then the other tool that, um, we use a lot of is the wax wrap. It's a, it's a kitchen wrap, like a saran wrap, but it's, um, reusable, washable, and fully compostable, when, once it's totally worn out. So you could add it to your home compost pile or you could even cut it up and add it to a little bonfire um, or a fireplace um, once you know you don't you, you can't really use it anymore. So that is great for wrapping up like half an onion or covering a bowl of leftover salad. Um, the kids will also use those for my daughters will use wax wraps to, wrap up different parts of their lunch, like a sandwich or half of an apple. 
Um, so that has been the other tool that's really helped us cut a lot of f- food packaging waste. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, as you're talking, I'm doing a wee bit of mental math. You know, suppose in the produce aisle, you buy 10 different things in a week in the little, you know, thin plasticky bags that are in the produce department. Every week mm-hmm. times 52 weeks in the year is 520 bags per household yeah. that you could replace by having, as you say, 10 cloth bags. And, yeah, you know, every absolutely. sewer out there, which many of our listeners are, probably has fabric and cord or whatever you would need on hand to make those bags. So if you have the capability, by all means, make them. And if you don't, Liz has them for you. But you also yeah. have patterns and tutorials, right, for these things if yes. someone doesn't know where to start? Yeah, absolutely. So I offer both the finished product, but then I also offer a lot of tutorials. So I have... um two different drawstring bag um, videos up on YouTube. Do I have two or is it one? Maybe I just have one. But I have a tutorial up on my YouTube channel for how to make your own drawstring bag. Um, We also use these cloth bags for bread. Um, And I know for some families, if you don't eat a lot of bread, you probably would want it in a wax wrap or something that's more airtight. But um, we, we eat a lot of bread. <laughs> and um, so I have a video that's called how to make your own bread bag, but it's essentially it's a drawstring cloth bag. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I also have um, an online workshop for how to make your own wax wraps. And um, I also sell kits so that you could um, get a kit and then um, make them yourself at home with your own fabric or I, I sell the if you want fabric from me, I also sell the kit with the fabric. So yeah, lots of options. So I was thinking, I'm thinking of my stash and I'm thinking, you know, making cloth sacks would be a great way to use up some of the fabrics that I don't necessarily love and, you know, would rather get rid of. And then I thought, ah, oh, but do I want to carry that ugly fabric grocery shopping every week? <laughs> so then I thought... Maybe I could make my cloth sacks with my favorite fabrics that I've mm-hmm. sort of hoarded and not cut up. And this way, I get to enjoy them every yes. time I go grocery shopping or wrap a leftover to tuck in the refrigerator. So there you yeah. go, people. Use your use your best fabrics. Pull out your favorites. Yeah, for your absolutely. It's so funny you mentioned that because I actually, when I was first starting No Trace, I was using this this kind of awful fabric to sort of prototype a lot of my bags. Right. It's um, it's this like really bright green with all of these pink princesses all over it. <laughs> it's not really my style or my girl's style. Anyhow, so now I, I, I have a fair number of things with that fabric on it that I take to the store and I, and I should have used something prettier. But <laughs> for the next round. For the next round, I'm going to use my favorite fabric so that when I pull the bag out, I'm not slightly embarrassed by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really a good representation of your business and what you offer. No, you, ought to, you ought to put your no. best foot forward, your favorite fabrics forward. Yes. All right. So another thing I saw that intrigued me, and this was just browsing through your website, I think, one day, Liz. I saw that you actually work at planning, pre-planning your menu to reduce the types of plastic um, receptacles Mm -hmm. that you need to purchase. How do you kind of approach that or give us some ideas? So, so when I started this journey of really cutting our waste, I, um, 
started thinking about the kinds of meals that we could eat that we could get from, you know, the loose produce that you have, you have in the store and the bulk bins. So, um, I actually started creating a list of different meals that we liked, um, that were the ingredients I could usually get unpackaged. So I actually have a list of about probably 25 different dinners that, um, we can pull together from things that we can get in bulk here. I live in Santa Cruz, California. So things that we can get in the stores here. Um, and I will say that we are veg. Well, I'm a vegetarian, but the rest of my family is vegan. So we do a lot of, um, beans and lentils. So we, we don't have that extra, um, challenge of the meat counter. Um, which I know for a lot of families, if you're getting meat, then sometimes it's, it's really hard to get that unpackaged. But some places will let you bring your own clean glass um, sort of storage container to the mm -hmm. meat counters. You, really, it's, you have to ask your, your local um, butcher if they do that sort of thing. And in but some parts us, of the country, you probably could purchase your meat directly from, more directly from, yes. you know, butchers or artisan type places. And then too, you would have at least less packaging, you know, they might be wrapped yes. in waxed paper or something like that. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So there's definitely, um, there, there are probably options if you are a meat eater, but for us, we have a lot of the, um, the dried sort of uh, soy protein different forms of dried soy protein that we can get. So, um, so yeah, so having all of those, those resources in this community has really helped. And now I, when I'm putting together my list, I think about, okay, what, what are some dinners that we'll probably want this week and what are the ingredients that I need? And then just finish up my list. And yeah, it's been really helpful. We, st we do still get some packaged foods, so we're, we're definitely not perfect, but um, we, we are pretty low waste. Um, the pandemic's been a little bit harder, but now um, more things are opening up and kind of going back to the way they were. So in um, terms of are... availability, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because there was a time period where we couldn't get anything in bulk. Right. Um, but now that that's changed. And so, yeah, so we get most of our stuff from the bulk bins. But like I said, I, I still buy like tofu, which comes in plastic and a few other vegan treats for my kids who want some like easy kind of grab and go snacks. I do mm -hmm. get a few things for them because, mm -hmm. you know, I got to pick my battles. So you do. And the fact <laughs> still remains that if each person I mean, seriously, even if we each reduced by 10%, but my goodness, if we each reduced by 50 or 60 or 75%, the amount yeah. of plastic waste, that is substantial. What a goal yeah. you've set for us. Yeah, well, and I really encourage people just start with what's within reach, you know, don't start with eliminating everything that you're used to purchasing, just start with what you can do. Maybe, you know, if you next time you go get potatoes, you pick the loose potatoes and you put them in your own cloth bag, you know, small steps like that. And then over time you can start to, um, expand the things that you're willing to do, the things that are easy for you to do. They start to get easier and, uh, these kinds of things start to snowball so that eventually it's really easy to get almost everything, um, unpackaged. 
So, yeah. Yes. And you're absolutely right. Just being aware. And when you go, Mm -hmm. as your example was great, to choose potatoes, just being aware there's another option. And, oh, hey, I could choose that one. And it's really no more difficult. It's just another choice. Just have to be aware of it. Great. Thanks for that. Yeah. All right. So back a little bit to to our business, because this is your business now is producing. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned quite a few things, producing the products, the patterns, Mm -hmm. the tutorials. So what are some of the places we can find find these things, find you? Yeah. So um, uh, my website is notraceshop.com. And um, on there, I have products for sale, but I also have some tutorials and I have a blog, which includes some of my low-waste dinner ideas. Um, oh, great. So if you want to see, yeah, if you want to see what we eat in an average week, um, I do have a fair number of those blog posts up. Um, and then I have a YouTube, a YouTube channel. Um, I think if you just search No Trace Shop on YouTube, it will come up, but I'm not positive about that. Um but that's where you can learn how to sew. And I also talk about wax wraps and low waste or zero waste living. There's a tour of my bathroom on there. If you want to see like what we do in the bathroom to really cut waste. Um, and I'm on Instagram at no trace shop and I'm on Pinterest at no trace. So whatever, yeah, whatever. Well, you've made it nice and easy by using the same name all across. And I'll, of course, include the links too. Um, You recently posted a short, I believe it was, to YouTube, and it was taking an umbrella and converting it into a bicycle seat cover. You are crazy creative. (laughs) Oh, that's very kind of you. Yeah, that's my latest short. And there's also... um, a full video of that process. But yeah, so one of, one of the things that I'm always thinking about is um, textile waste, right? What do we do with, um, or how do we minimize the fabrics and the textiles that are going to the landfill? That's another big um, focus of my business is just sort of thinking about that. And um, we seem to break about one umbrella a year. <laughs> I've yet to find an umbrella that lasts forever. And so I have a, a tutorial that shows you how to get the fabric off the umbrella frame and then um, prep that fabric and turn it into a bike seat cover. And then actually this week's tutorial is how to turn that fabric into a little raincoat for your dog. And you I can love see it. My, <laughs> you can see my dog in the intro. He makes a cameo. Yeah, that's that was great. fun. That's great. Oh, you've given us just a ton of ideas. Just a ton of ideas. My head's just oh, rolling good. with them. Yay. <laughs> okay. So before we go, though, do you have some little gem of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? Can be from your crafting life or your home life, whatever you would like to share. Yeah. Actually, I thought about this because I knew you were going to be asking me this question. Mm-hmm. And... um I think my, my little um, two cents is to find your purpose as it relates to getting crafty, and that will help you tackle more and more projects and really get things done if you have some sort of um, bigger purpose to what you're doing. So maybe it's, you know, creating something for a loved one, or in my case, it was creating things to help us fight waste as a family. But I feel like 
if you find, or it could even just be like bringing you this joy that you want in your daily life or helping you de-stress at the end of the day. But if you find that, um, that purpose for getting crafty for sewing or quilting or whatever your craft is that helps you to get just do more and make more and so that's kind of my advice wise words and circling back around to you know where we started with our businesses and both of us do our craft also for our job Mm-hmm. That is true there too, you know, knowing what your why is, what it is that you're mm-hmm. trying to share or teach or become, that is what keeps you going on the days when, you know, it doesn't feel as exciting, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Gotta keep that on, keep that in mind. Good. Well, thanks so much for joining me and uh, we'll talk again next Tuesday at our regularly scheduled hour. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks again for having me. It was great to talk with you. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope that you've been inspired and even challenged to have your eyes wide open for ways that you can reduce waste in your own home. If you enjoyed this podcast, do consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or the listening app of your choice. It really helps other listeners to find the show so they can enjoy these stories too and even be challenged by them. Plus, I would love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.